Welcome. My name is Father Mesrel Bash, and I'm the parish priest of St. John Armenian Church in San Francisco. And what you're hearing right now is a recording of my daughter when she was seven months old. This was only a couple years ago, but when I hear this sound, my soul is moved in a lot of different ways. I'm delighted because I remember the cute little baby that made those noises. I'm sad too because that part of her life is something that I can only experience in recordings now. And I'm also scared. I'm scared because it reminds me how fleeting life is and how every brief moment I bear a responsibility as a parent. To do what? To help educate her or to become well-adjusted? To help her be successful or liked? To become something, certainly. But neither of us could say with any surety for many years to come what that something is. Is parenting more than this? Perhaps it's less. The difficulty in being able to know anything with real or earned confidence as a parent is truly the most scary thing. With my and yet it's Kinani's second child on the way, what little confidence we've gained over the past few years seems woefully inadequate. I'm speaking sincerely from my heart because I believe that every parent is charged with a monumental and heroic task, made all the more difficult by the very rapidly changing reality that we call contemporary society and of which we are all a part. None of us need to pretend that we have all the answers. I thought I knew a few, but whatever assumptions I had about parenting or child rearing as a person and even as a clergyman were quickly thrown out the window when we had our own child. I even say this with real appreciation for God in my heart because we had a very healthy and relatively easy first child and not every family can say the same. No, it's helpful for us to talk about our challenges and aspirations as parents too, as Armenian parents, as Christian parents. That's what I wanted to do with this podcast series about parenting. I reached out to several people in our Armenian church community who I know and admire to understand better what their experiences were and how they find support and guidance in their journey as parents. But before we speak to some of the more veteran parents, Let's hear from a brand new parent, our very own Deacon Anthony Kachaturian. He and his wife, Nicole, welcomed their new daughter, Melania, earlier this year. And guys, Anthony reminds us that challenges are there right from the very beginning. She is. Um, she has some uh, issues in terms of uh, sometimes we, we're trying to find the exact formula that fits best for her stomach. And maybe she has some... Uh, uh, digestive issues but other than that she's a super healthy baby and um, we're just going through the normal parenting stuff and we're we're blessed that uh, you know she is healthy and everything is going well so far we, we truly feel blessed that that is the case uh yeah truly podcasted so you know we can't uh that special feeling of gratitude and appreciation 
that you have in your heart when you just kind of look at your child and say, this child is alive and, you know, is healthy and is, is loving me and receiving my love. And it's just such a, a natural moment and just kind of begs you to express your, your appreciation to God, you know? Yes, that is, that is the case for sure. Um, parenting has been super fulfilling. Um, it, me and Nicole both feel truly blessed to be in this uh, position. But even as we feel blessed, Anthony reminds us that the 21st century comes with a certain unique set of challenges and fears that present themselves right from the very start. Yeah, um, I, definitely in this in this world um, we live in today, it's uh, there's a lot that could be facing a, a child, a young person, and um, I, I I fear. <laughs> I mean, I, I fear I fear social media as, as for one thing, and uh, I guess that's reflected in um, I'm, I generally post in, on social media, but I I still haven't posted about my daughter. I I don't know if that's, uh, uh, my subconscious telling me uh, keep her off social media as long as you can and let her maybe decide how she wants to have a an online profile or uh, a persona. So I mean, those are those are things. Um, that are, that are kind of frightening to tell you the truth when you think ahead because now at home we have uh, this cute innocent little girl that like smiles and cries and does all the baby things but you just think ahead to um what, what kind of person she will be and um what her needs will be and and all the things that that will be facing her so it's 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 fright it, that that is definitely frightening but on the other hand I'm I'm hopeful because um I want her to to grow up in the church and grow up a good Christian and and a good person. And so um, I think that the church can have a lot to do with that. We'll hear from Anthony again later in the podcast. But before we continue, let me reassure everyone that Melly has overcome her formula-related digestive issues. But Anthony brought up something very important. He said that he was hopeful, hopeful because he and his wife want to raise their daughter in the church. For them, and for many of us, the church isn't just a place to visit on occasion, or even just a house of worship. It's an antidote for many of the world's anxieties and an influence that will enrich the lives of our children. This is what motivated Gail Chalebian to raise her three sons in the Armenian church. She grew up in the church herself, but as you'll find out, her reasons for bringing her kids to church and Sunday school were all her own. Okay, um, so my name is Gail Chalabian. I am um, a mom of three boys and married to uh, um, my husband, Steve, for 20 years, 21 years, something like that. Um, so to, uh, I grew up in the Armenian church and from as long as I can remember, my mom brought my two sisters and I to Sunday school every Sunday. Um, my, I remember my parents always being involved. My mom was a Sunday school teacher. Um, and that's what we did on Sundays. We got up and we went to Sunday school. We just did it. And, uh, growing up, we didn't ask why or, you know, can we do something else? That's just what we did. So it's, it's what I knew on Sundays. 
So when I got married and had my own family, um, I felt that I wanted my own boys to have that relationship as well. Um, I guess I didn't realize it as a ch as a child what the church was, um, how the church was bringing me up um, spiritually. I, I couldn't have put it into words back then. I really didn't probably even know what was going on. But Sunday school was teaching me things that I would use later in life. I don't think I was going through elementary school or high school reflecting on um, biblical teachings or anything. I can't remember that really happen happening consciously, but I know they happened later in life when life really needed them to be speaking to me. So uh, at that, I guess that was probably when I was getting around to the age of when I was um, planning to get married or maybe a little earlier than that, going through kind of those really important moments as a young adult. And so, uh, yeah, when I had my kids, um, I wanted them to experience what I had experienced, starting with Sunday school and then leading that into um, camp. Gail, because of her background, really wanted to raise her children in the church and give them the opportunity to learn about their faith in an Armenian Sunday school. However, the programs that she had access to really weren't at the level that she was hoping for and expecting for her children. So despite her own admitted lack of experience, she decided to be part of the solution. I'm gonna make a difference and get involved myself. And um, you know, it's the thing, if you, don't, if you don't like what's going on, then do something about it. And I guess that's sort of always how I've been about anything. So I decided to, um, it, it turned out at the time, things were kind of changing within the Sunday school. They needed um, a new superintendent. That really wasn't was I, what I was looking to do. I thought I'd just be a parent helper. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew because of my background and my own um, education that maybe I might be able to do something. Mm -hmm. And that kind of is how everything started mm -hmm. for me getting as involved as I was in the Sunday school. And um, so I decided if I'm going to do this, um, I'm going to jump in with both feet and I'm going to, I'm going to make it, uh, I'm going to make Sunday school and I'm going to give my, these kids, not just mine. I felt an obligation to the, all the other kids too and parents. I thought this generation is going to have a happy relationship with the church. I had a relationship with the church as a child, but going into church for me in my generation, I felt um, a little bit alienated with what was going on. Nobody told us as young kids what was happening in church. Nobody told us what to expect. All we knew when we walked into church was we better sit still and we better not say anything. Because if we did, you learned real fast, <laughs> the elders would scowl. They, you know, you'd hear a lot of shh, shh. And I, and I was a, a rule follower as a little girl, and I knew it, I wasn't going to be that, that child and sitting in the church pew mm -hmm. with the, you know, that. You didn't so, want to be oppressed. No, no. So um, I thought, you know, um, I'm going to somehow figure out a way to bring all the church teachings 
as best as I can, because I was no expert. And I'm going to bring, I'm going to figure out what's going on in the church, and I'm going to make it as child-friendly as I possibly can, so that my kids and everybody else's kids aren't going to be intimidated. They're not going to feel um, scared, and they're going to feel involved. Gail would go on to build a very successful Sunday school program at her parish, St. James in Los Angeles, and years later would become the head of the Christian Education Council, working to duplicate that success in parishes throughout the Western Diocese. We here at St. John in San Francisco owe her and her team a debt of gratitude for the hard work that they do in supporting our own Sunday school each and every week. But at the bottom of all of this effort, why was Gail working so hard to have her children have a, quote, happy relationship with the church. I wanted to know what drove her. Yeah, I couldn't, I could not have parented without it. Mm -hmm. um, I married an Armenian man because I felt strongly about my Armenian heritage. Um, and I felt um, an obligation to continue. I, I, I it's, you know, being Armenian is a special thing, and it's something that I could not bear to have just go away. So I, I knew if I was going to have a family, I wanted to raise Armenian children who felt as passionately about their heritage as I do about mine. And that starts with the church. You can't be Ar Armenian without having that church connection. It's impossible. We're, our roots go too deep with the church. It's what we know, it's who we are and who I am who, anyways. So um, I think my, my Armenian-ness was also part of that whole drive to the church because everything's connected there, you know? You go to camp, it's church-affiliated. Um, you do, um, you know, a debutante ball, it's connected to the church. It's all mm -hmm. intertwined. The social component, the cultural component, right. the spiritual component. right. So there's um, parenting moments where every parent will have them. Some, your child will do something, your child will say something, and you're almost stunned and at a loss for words to, you know, the kids are smart. They'll come up with things and um, out of the blue, let me see if I can think of something real quick. Um, you know, stop arguing with your brother. Let's just throw that out there. Why? Well, because I said so. Is that going to work? No. You know, that's one of the, and uh, one of, and so in those moments is when I've turned to my kids. And, and like I said, kids are smart. They're paying attention. Um, that's when I can reflect to what we're teaching in Sunday school. Don't argue with your brother because God teaches us in the Bible to love one another. Are you telling me that you'd rather argue with your brother and, and go against God? If that, is that what we're going to do? What did we say in church last Sunday, you know, when we took communion, you know? And so it's, that, it, it's those moments when I can speak authentically to my child mm -hmm. about what we've just talked about in Sunday school and apply it to our lives at home. Mm -hmm. The being a good Christian doesn't happen just on Sundays because we're sitting in a Sunday school classroom. It happens every day of the week, all day long. Mm -hmm. So 
I can't tell you how many times as a parent, I've had those moments where I've had to think real fast. Well, we just talked about that in Sunday school. Remember we talked about this story and Mm -hmm. what did that person do? Mm -hmm. What did we learn from this? So, And did you find that they were ripe for that sort of input? Always. That they would respond to it? Always. You know, sometimes kids don't want to do stuff because their parents tell them to, but they'll listen to somebody else, you know, maybe somebody... um, Maybe even a grandparent they'll they'll listen to. I'm not saying they don't listen to parents. My mind kids listen to me, but um, I think that's natural. I mean, many relationships are that way, right? Spouses are less likely to sure. listen to each other unless there's some sort of external confirmation, right? So right. the church is supporting your message and your authority as right. a parent. Right. I, I felt, and, 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 you know, arguing with the brother is sort of a, a one, of, it's a, a real low level parenting moment. Um, as they get older and the problems get more intense and more um, life changing, that's when um, they need somebody higher to answer to. Mm-hmm. This response from Gail was a game changer for me. As someone who was passionately operating within the Armenian church for years, it was natural for me to encourage families to be active within their parish communities. But I did so with faith in my heart that this is just where Jesus Christ desired them to be, part of his mystical body. And of course, it is where the Armenian family belongs. But what Gail is talking about is the church becoming an active parental support structure. And of course it is. Good parents, a caring parish, and Christ all basically want the same thing for our children. Shouldn't we be working together to support each other, to realize our visions and goals for our children? Shouldn't worship and religious education help a parent raise their child? To actually address the challenges that they face on a day-to-day basis? To make their children more confident, to make their children happier? To relieve their fears and anxieties? to enable them, to strengthen them. Whether it's about understanding the creed of our church or living it out in small ways, like helping a parent explain to a young child why they shouldn't be arguing with a sibling, together we're all trying to move a little closer to the kingdom of heaven. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Isn't it hard to bring your kids to church? Yes, the answer is yes. I literally live in an apartment connected to the church and some Sunday mornings, it seems like our daughter will never be ready in time. How can we deal with this? Jill Simonian is a well-known television host and entertainment journalist in Los Angeles, appearing in many different local and nationally syndicated programs. For the last several years, she's focused her professional career on what she's truly passionate about, parenting, and parenting lifestyle issues, and you can read all about it in her awesome blog, thefabmom.com. Check the show notes. But Jill is also a recent addition to the Sunday School faculty at St. Gregory Armenian Church in Pasadena. We're going to hear all about how she's dealt with the difficulties of getting her family to church on Sunday morning and keeping them active. Just a note, 
that during this interview, Jill references her mother on several occasions, who had passed away a few months prior to our recording session, Ostvads Irokin Lusavore. This has given her a new perspective about her relationship with the church, and it's reflected in her context of her faith and in her children's involvement in the church. I would... I started taking my girls to Sunday school when they were, my little one was two. So she was really little like, <laughs> and it was a challenge. It was not easy taking a two year old to Sunday school and getting them dressed. But you know, I did when I could. And, and, and I, we pretty, we went like, I mean, most every Sunday we would skip Sundays here and there when they were really little and everything. But, um, but that's where I'm at now. Now that my youngest is six and my oldest is seven, Sundays is, okay, it's church. We're going. We're going to go sing our songs. We're going to go sing the Shargons. We're going to go do that. And it's, it's what we do. It's part of our life. And that's where I'm at now because I find so much more comfort in it. And it's on a different, it's on another level too, not only on like a faith and spiritual level in, you know, learning how to cope with life and, and fighting the strength within the church and all of the, you know, everything that, that the church teaches us. But, but my mom used to be the organist at St. Gregory church in Fowler. Mm -hmm. And so every, so to me, it's, you know, through my grief right now, I'm finding extra comfort in knowing, oh, this is, you know, this is part of us. This is part of her. We, this is what right. is connecting us um, whether she's here or not. This is like a part of her legacy. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah I want to go back for a second to what you were um, what you were saying. That message that you have, it renovates, uh, resonates with me so strongly because what I've been kind of reflecting on is that at least from within the church, you know, the leadership of the church, the, you know, there's a word churched folk, like the people who yeah. are <laughs> you know, yes. just kind of ensconced in the culture of church. Yeah. I feel so much of the message about engaging with the church is about obligation, service, sacrifice. It's like you need to be here because this is where you should be. Right. Um, you know, and there's a lot of also shame associated with not being a part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we're here just on the outset of Easter. And I feel like that also, like now is a period of time when, when that conversation of being in had is like, oh, here's when all of the people that come to church that don't come yeah. the rest of the year. And it's, it's not a positive uh, outlook or perspective. But what I love about what you were saying is, and what I feel is you have to flip that message around. And, and particularly when you're talking about parenting and child rearing and, you know, having a healthy family life is the church is there for you. It's to your benefit. It helps you have a richer relationship with your kids and have, uh, you know, stronger messaging on moral issues and, and relationships. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, it's, something that enriches your life uh, and helps you be a better parent. And that's what I feel like your message is. Yes. Uh, no, absolutely. You said it there. I, there's so many different levels to it. First of all, I, you know, it's funny because my husband's family um, admittedly, and 
I'm not spilling any secrets here by no means, but they really don't go to church. I mean, you know, they don't really go. Um, but I've always, I grew up with the association of church being fun. And that's where, and, and just as you said, I think he grew up with a mindset and I don't know, you know, from where, or, you know, there's, everyone has different circumstances when they're, you know, growing up in family life and different times, but he has a perception of it that I've sort of picked on as being like an obligation where I have grown up with the perception of church is fun. Church is where you go to feel good, to reset, to, you know, say, okay, last week wasn't so great. Here's what happened. I didn't like it. You know, this is a reset. This is the start fresh. I'm going to go. I'm going to see people I know. We're going to say hi. It's going to be a good time. Like church is fun and you can get you know, both sides of the equation, you can get the, the faith and the church and the teachings, and then you can also get the fun connection. Hey, these are all of, you know, especially Armenian church. These are my people. This is, these are, you know, the, the core people that share my same values in my life. And so that's what, that's, that's the first way that I like to look at it because, you know, like I mentioned before, and I think this is one of the biggest, uh, I don't want to say issues, but maybe circumstances with parents today, you know, we're all working very hard. Obviously, you know, if you live in a big city, a lot of times the mom and the dad need to work, um, you know, to support a family. Uh, and kids are busy in school, in activities, parents have activities, commitments. And a lot of my friends will say, oh, it is, you know, and then you, when you have small kids that are like three and four or five, six years old, a lot of my friends and acquaintances will say, oh, it is just, so too, it's too hard to get to church on Sunday. And I say, yeah. Yeah, I get that easy. a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just too hard. It's too, oh, dear heart. It's just, it's too hard to get, I can't get everyone dressed. Well, here's a news flash. If anyone, thinks that my kids are easily getting dressed willingly on Sunday mornings, that is the biggest misconception ever. Sunday mornings at my house are not unlike any other Sunday mornings at anyone else's house where we get up and we want, you know, the kids want pancakes. We'll do pancakes. We'll do something. And then I'll say, okay, we got to get dressed. I don't want to get dressed. I don't want it. I want to watch TV. You know, it's like every, the normal family kid, young kid stuff starts. And I go, well, I go, this is Sunday. I'm going, I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to see so-and-so I'm going to, you know, and I start getting dressed and then they're complaining. And then my big ones, I go, this is what we do on Sundays. I go, this is what this, this is what we do on Sundays. And then sometimes I'll launch into a thing that says, trust me, you're going to, when you grow up, you are going to be so thankful that we did this. And then they, you know, so it's a struggle to get them dressed. My six-year-old will cry and complain and whine and kick her legs that she doesn't want to get dressed. But, but in the end, I, you know, as a parent, kids do this to go to school too. Sometimes, you know, like I don't want to oh, get dressed and go to school. We make them go to school because we know that it's good for them and that's what you do. Sunday school is I have a two-year-old and we had a 15-minute fight this morning about what <laughs> shirt she was going to wear. So I can only imagine how much worse it's going to get. Oh, it's good. oh, you're in for some great times. <laughs> but I mean, but that's, that's my point. Like a lot, you know, when my friends say, oh, it's just too hard on Sundays. I go, I know it's not easy, but the things that are worth it for the long run in life and, you know, beyond... It's not easy. 
And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's just because it's not easy doesn't mean that it's not worth it. And to me, like this is the most worth it scenario to have a struggle over for, you know, for, for, for your life um, and beyond. And I think that's what it comes down to. You know, I've spoken to other families and as you said, every family um, wakes up Sunday morning and would like to sleep in. (laughs) every family has the same challenges that they do on any other day of the week in terms of getting the kids fed and dressed Mm -hmm. and it's a challenge to 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 really get out there and and to seize the day for everybody Mm -hmm. but what most families that have made the conscientious choice to incorporate you know the the spiritual richness of the church in their child's upbringing it's just comes down to this is Sunday and this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Like you just said, yeah, it's literally it's like important. our family does this on Sunday and that's it. Yeah. And it is important. I mean, I, I cannot imagine, I mean, you know, what the, the, where I'm at now and, you know, and it's interesting because I'll just go back. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just putting this in the context of sort of what my family's, you know, Mm -hmm. been going through the last six months with my mom passing. But, you know, when it was time for her, when it was her funeral, my, you know, my daughters went and it was, I mean, they were, you know, my little one was still five at the time and my older one was seven and they understood what was going on because they've been learning about our faith and what happens. And, you know, you put everything in child appropriate terms and you don't share every single detail and, you know, everything. But, but I said, you know, this is what happens when someone passes on there, you know, they go to heaven and we go to a service for them and we pray and we honor their life. And my girls understood it. And in that, during that particular, I remember that month, I thought, what would I be doing now? And how would any of this be happening if my kids weren't in a consistent atmosphere that included faith. Like what, Mm -hmm. how, I don't even know how I would explain any of it. If they, you know, if they hadn't been learning about God and Jesus and what happened and who we are, you know, I I just, or how they would process it. Exactly. How would they process it? How would they, I mean, I can't imagine my kids not being connected to, you know, to, to, to God in Sunday school. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine. I said, this, it's my responsibility as a parent to give them every single tool they need to go through life so that they can cope through the ups and the downs and the good and the awful and everything. And what the biggest tool to me is having that center. Jill and her husband have obviously made a very thoughtful and, in my opinion, responsible decision to prioritize the church in their children's spiritual development. But I wanted to ask her how she got started down that path. It's, of course, a decision that every parent has to make at some point, if they do at all. For a lot of families, the hardest part is getting started. When my family decided to bring myself and my sister to church more often, when we were young, my parents were veritable strangers to their parish. It must have been hard for them to build this routine for their children, and even for themselves, to come to a community and to meet new people, and to introduce a new aspect to their weekly routine. 
that was previously unfamiliar. Jill told me that it was something that she began to feel strongly about after the birth of her first child. I remember the very first, um, the first, she was born at the end of September. And so Christmas time, but she was like two months old. I don't think I took her to church on Christmas because it was just chaotic and she was screaming the whole night as a newborn. But the first Easter, when my first daughter was born, I, I woke up that morning and she was like, I don't know, what was she, eight months old or something. And I told my husband, it's Easter. We got to take Lee to church. And he's like, what? Are you kidding me? She's like, she's, she's not even going to know where she's at. I go, I don't care. We're taking her to church. And we took her to St. John's where we were married. And we went to Easter Sunday in St. John's in Hollywood. And I took a picture with her. And I remember thinking, oh, this, it started. Like, this is life. This is, you know, our family and church and mm. my kids. And it, it just kind of continued. And then when, uh, you know, and periodically I would take her, well, she was, my second daughter was born when my older one was a year and a half. So I sort of had these, like, I had these, like, I always say, I tell my girls now, I said, I had two babies and I would try to take you guys places. And it was not easy. But I remember periodically when my youngest daughter, when she was around, when my youngest daughter was about one and a half and my oldest was about three, I would take them to St. Gregory in, uh, Pasadena, uh, Every, I would try and like, just take them like once a month, we would go into this. I wouldn't take them to Sunday school. We'd go into the service. I'd light a candle and my big game, the game inside my head was let's see how long I can last, you know, in church without it. And so we would sit there and they would look at the music and then they'd look at the candles and then we would do the thing. And then when someone got antsy, usually after about, you know, 25, 30 minutes, we would go. But I started when they were little like that. And, and then eventually when, uh, you know, when they were old enough to go to Sunday school, I said, all right, well then we'll, you know, we'll go to Sunday school. So that's how it happened. (laughs) Yeah. I was the, I was the crazy lady who would bring these two babies in church and I'd be walking them down the aisle. I'd be holding one baby and then the other one would be walking and I'd sit in the pews and people would look at me like, does this woman know what she's trying to do right here? She's trying to like keep two babies calm in church, but sometimes it would last 15 minutes. Sometimes they would last a half hour, whatever it was, it was. (laughs) But I mean, speaking as the guy on the other side Mm -hmm. of the curtain, you know, as the, as the celebrant and the parish priest, I'm overjoyed when I hear babies crying in church. (laughs) I I mean that I, I really do. Uh, because I know along with that sound comes the devotion of a parent that is willing to go through all of the hard work to, to get those babies ready and to get them to the church within that narrow window of time. And then to also deal with, you know, probably what is, but what is certainly is perceived as all of the, you know, pressure from other people. Yeah. Everybody's staring at you. It's like yes. being on an airplane <laughs> with a baby, you know, like, you want to just apologize yes. in advance. Um, but it means a lot to me. I mean, I, I, if I could walk down and give that parent a hug for making oh. the effort, I would. <laughs> and I think most other clergy feel the same way. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, obviously you, you made that sacrifice and 
it connected with your, your kids. I mean, from a very early age. Um, but my question to you is what would you say to encourage, uh, a new parent or maybe not a new parent who has to overcome that stigma or that fear that, um, you know, maybe my kids aren't going to behave themselves at church, or maybe, you know, they're going to be uncomfortable and say they want to go home or have, you know, how do they get over that hurdle, that initial hurdle of making this like an integral part of their family's life? Well, I, it's a good question. Um, I'll, <laughs> hopefully this doesn't come across, I don't, in no way do I want this to come across as rude, but I'll say my advice is you're in charge, do it anyways. Like no matter if the kids are complaining it, because as parents, we all, we all know what's best for our kids. We want them to do the very best they can in school. We want them to learn, you know, we want them to learn and get educated the very best way that they can. We want to make sure that they're healthy. We want, you know, we want to keep them healthy. We take them to the doctor. We take them to the dentist. We want to do all of these things for our kids to give them the best possible setup to be as successful as they can be growing up physically, mentally, and that includes spiritually. So to me, mm. even if there's a four-year-old complaining, yes, it's hard. It is so hard. And some days, some days, absolutely. You're going to say, Oh, forget this. We're skipping. We're, you know, I'm not, de- I, I, I'm not dealing with this today, but as long as you keep, if you, if you stay on the path and you say, this is good for my family, my child, our well-being, our spiritual life, this life for the long haul and beyond that it's worth it. I, I just, I can't, I, that's the only way I know how to put it in words. Do it anyways, <laughs> just, just do it. And mm-hmm. if something goes awry and someone starts crying in church, it's okay. You just take them out. You try again the next week. You just, you keep trying, keep trying because it's what's best. And as parents, we really do want, and as long as we always do our best to try our best to, you know, to, to do what's right. That's going to give our kids every tool, um, and resource that they can have throughout their life. It's, it's, it's all good. It's a good thing. It is a good thing and good things often are not easy. I'm inspired by people like Deacon Anthony, Gail, and Jill. They've made a choice not just for the sake of their children's lives, but also for their souls. But as much as we've spoken about the church, it's important to remember that spiritual development happens most fundamentally in the domestic church, in our very own homes. Deacon Anthony reminds us that being a parent is not just about bringing our children to fulfillment, but also ourselves. It, well, we were, we're all always as growing as people, as Christians, and, and, and already I've seen my attitude and um, outlook towards life change in the seven weeks that she's been on the earth with us. And um, she's, she's definitely changed how I want to be a person in this short amount of time 
So I can imagine um, as she grows to be uh, a, a young adult and whatnot, how it's always, I mean, uh, we always, we're always just thinking about her right now. And I know, uh, I know it's because she's a newborn and that, that, that'll change in time, but th- that, that general feeling, she, she will always be in the forefront of our mind. The first thing we think about in the morning, et cetera. So yes, she, she's, she's definitely changing how we are as people as well. But for the better, all we could do is, is kind of be good Christian examples and live our lives the right way. And she, I mean, she's, she's, she's growing already so quickly at seven weeks. So I, I can only imagine, um, and you could, you can tell me when she becomes one year old, you know, how much, how much the change will be. And I think because she'll be changing so quickly, I mean, we have to keep up in terms of parenting, but we also have to keep up in terms of, uh, her Christianity and her faith, because there'll be so many things coming at her, even at this young age. So it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of, it's good. It'll be a tricky thing, but yeah, we have to, we have to kind of live our lives by example and hopefully do the best we can. She will change quickly. And with Christ's presence in her life and her parents' love and care and in a loving community, she'll grow into an amazing woman. They say that to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So for a priest, you could say everything looks like a spiritual problem that needs to be addressed. Maybe not everything is, but just like when you build a house, you can be sure that you're going to have to hammer a lot of nails. It seems that raising a child has a lot to do with the spirit. So what about the question that I raised at the beginning of this episode? What is our responsibility as parents? I know one thing for sure. For those of us who call the Armenian Apostolic Church our home, our responsibility to our children is to guide them toward the kingdom of God. There are so many things about their lives that we will never be able to control. And although it would decrease our anxiety if that weren't the case, It's probably for the better, and it's undeniably God's will. But if we help them look at the world from the earliest years of their development in terms of truth, merciful justice, virtuous behavior, and most importantly, divine love, then we've given them not only a foundation, but a blessing that will carry with them throughout their lives. what happens when children turn into teenagers and young adults? I've spoken to more than a few parents who agree that the knockdown, drag out tantrums of a toddler can never compare to the living drama that is teenage life. Well, that will be the topic that we discuss in the next part of this series. For now, I want to thank Deacon Anthony Kachaturian, Gail Chalebian, and Jill Simonian for their time, and also for being amazing role models for myself and so many other Armenian-American families. May God bless them and their families and give them strength in their ministry as parents. If you have any questions or feedback on this episode of the St. John Armenian Church podcast or this series about parenting and the church, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. For more information about our parish's programs and activities, please visit us on social media or our website at stjohnarmenianchurch.com. And also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, 
It'll help you be notified when new episodes come out. Aswad Zornet says, God bless. Thank you.